and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and today we are talking waiver wires. That time of the week, gotta love it. Football season, gotta love it. Dwayne McFarland here, also gotta love it. Dwayne, how's it going, my friend? Man, doing good. It seems like every week we've got a new batch of running backs to talk about. Um, maybe like the zero RB thing really does work. <laughs> <laughs> Might be something to it. You know, strategy's been here for 10 plus years. Maybe nobody is uh, smoking crack, actually. It is wild, man, because I've had a couple teams. I was looking at them, you know, on Sunday where, like, I was actually making start-sit decisions with, like, Kyle Juszczyk and some horrendous people because you take the zero RB route and it looks terrible until it doesn't. You have Damian Williams giving you nothing until he's giving you everything. So good stuff there. Of course, you can always, you know, make your robust RB or zero RB argument. And just, you know, anyone that goes against your argument, leave them out of it. And apparently you're right. That seems to be the way a lot of uh, Twitter works these days. But on to more important things, as always, Dwayne and I are going to go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, hit on the big five at each position. The guys we're going over are rostered in around 50% of Yahoo or fan tracks leagues, not trying to, you know, hit on the 60, 70% guys that are already on most of the squads anyway. So without further ado, let's talk some quarterback streamers, Dwayne. The way I kind of see it this week, there's Trey Lance at the Cardinals. 49ers have a bye after this, so I don't even know if Trey Lance is necessarily in the best spot. We'll get to him in a little bit, uh, in a little bit more in a minute. But I just want Trey Lance on my team for the rest of the year. So if he's available in your league, I am making him the preferred number one overall option. After that, it gets a little bit interesting. We got Sam Darnold versus the Eagles, Daniel Jones at the Cowboys, Taylor Heineke versus the Saints, and also Trevor Lawrence versus the Titans. So if you need to stream a QB this week, like you're in a pretty good situation because we got a lot of these guys with, you know, lower level dual threat Konami code upside, and they're all in pretty good matchups. So Dwayne, we'll go through each of these guys, but at first glance, ranking them, Lance, Darnold, Jones, Heineke, Lawrence, are you generally on the same page there? Yeah, pretty much. I would put Darnold at the top just because, I mean, it, look, we've seen what can happen with a quarterback like what we've seen with Fields, right? And we don't really know for sure. And Lance definitely has accuracy problems. Like, it's very apparent. <laughs> um, so he's going to have some big plays. But I feel like Darnold, knowing what we've seen with the rushing floor that he also gives you um, that we didn't expect, plus he's probably a better passer at this point in his career. Um, I like his weapons. They're willing to pass the ball more. I would probably put Darnold first in that group, then Lance, then Jones, then Lawrence, then Heineke. Rest of season, you want Darnold over Lance. Like, that's what I'm trying to get out here. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant as a streamer this week. Okay, um, so it, it goes both yeah, ways. You know what? Yes, 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 yes. Rest of season, I want Darnold over Ooh. I mean, he's – That's where it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I agree that it's tougher to make that call there. But Lance may not even be the starter in two weeks. I mean, so it's like if I have to pick today, I know Darnold's for sure the starter, and he's played really well in four games. Lance, we've seen one half, and while very promising, 20 points and a half of football shows you what you could get from Trey Lance, right? You could be getting Lamar Jackson. You could be getting something like that. Um, so totally understand the upside. But, I mean, unless we – at this point, like I have Darnold inside my top 12 rest of the season. So, I mean, yeah. that's, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to justify Lance when I don't know for sure that he'll even be the starting quarterback in two weeks from now. It's a fair point. And with Darnold's up, not only this week, again, he gets the Eagles, but after this, he gets the Vikings, the Giants, and then the Falcons through week eight. The schedule is not getting lighter. I'm not sure who Darnold and the Panthers paid off in this offseason, but it is going well for them. Okay. So Darnold, 
we want to have as a number one streamer. This is where we've gotten NFL rushing touchdown. King Sam Darnold has ripped off QB 16, QB 14, QB seven, and pre Monday night football overall QB one finishes. Yeah, Dwayne, I guess we have to do this. So I was trying to rank all the guys, you know, and last time I did this exercise, it went horribly wrong with Justin Fields, but we're moving on trying to learn from that. And with Lance, going to Arizona, just like Fields was going to Cleveland, you can see how this could technically implode in his, uh, you know, first start and debut. And we really don't know what's going on with Jimmy G. Talked about this on the game review pod, but that calf injury, like I wouldn't be surprised if he plays this week. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he is back immediately after their bye. I would say after the bye makes the most sense. Obviously, Trey Lance gives us absurd upside. I mean, for him to work as the QB 17 in 30 minutes, you know, the crazy stat I had last night was that Jimmy G has only reached the fantasy point total that Trey Lance did in 30 minutes and eight of his 27 career starts with the 49ers. But Dwayne, here are the guys I would definitively rank ahead of Trey Lance this week. Mahomes, Kyler, Josh Allen, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson. That's where it gets a little tough. I do think we need to go Darnold versus the Eagles ahead of him. What about Lance versus like Cousins, Lance versus Derek Carr, Lance versus, you know, Lawrence uh, and Heineke and these other guys? I haven't looked at all the matchups, but assuming Derek Carr stays on the role he's on, I would put Carr ahead of him. Um, you know, and again, I, I haven't even looked at matchups for next week. I'm still doing the utilization stuff. So um, that could change by the time we talk again tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> you know, we do a lot of work in 24 hours. <laughs> so um, I could I could be in a different position then, but I, I would lean right now to Carr. But I think you're making the right point. Like you're at the spot where it starts to get more difficult right there. That's probably the range I would say, yeah, that's where I would start considering him. That's where I would start looking at my matchup for the week, thinking like how big of a dog am I? Do I have other players injured? Do I need more upside? You know, am I willing to go boom bust? All those sorts of things that you start to think about um, when you're making that sort of decision. Yeah, it's got QB 13, the QB 15, 16 range. As tempting and as sexy as it would be to say, Trey Lance, QB 1, top 12, this is the week. I can't for and I can't in good-hearted spirits, Dwayne, get Lance in the top 12. Maybe in the future, but again, road spot against a Cardinals defense that after what they did to the Rams, we got to give them more credit, you know, and the Titans too, man. Like, okay, the Vikings had some success downfield because they have some great receivers to throw to. Yeah, I think it makes sense to go Darnold, probably Carr over I think the other thing going on here, Ian, is look, there's just it's it's a deeper passing league than what it was back in the day. Right. When Tim Tebow <laughs> finished as a top three quarterback every time he started the, the same thing that made Tebow good enough to play back then still makes these quarterbacks good enough that even if they stink in the passing game, they can show up and do something for you as long as they do run. Unlike Justin Fields yesterday, he actually threw the ball better, but they didn't design any running place for him. So. I think a lot of it comes back to like, we're just in a, we're just, you know, that's, that's eight, nine years ago. Right. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks now that, you know, just throw for more yardage. They throw for more touchdowns. Offenses are more wide open. Um, so whenever you have a quarterback like this as your starter, and if the rest of, if your offense regresses because of it, there is some sort of impact right there to the fantasy, you know, as far as a fantasy finish goes, despite the rushing floor. But I think you're hitting the right spot. He's going to be right there on the verge of like QB 12. You know, I could very easily see it being something by the end of the week where like, yep, get him in your top 12. He needs to be 11. He needs to be 12. Um, but where I sit today, I think you're drawn, you've drawn the perfect line for where it should start to become a decision. 
You need a QB streamer this week, Sam Darnold, but try to find a spot for Trey Lance if you can handle it, people. The upside I want is- Darnold on my roster the rest of the season. That's what I'm saying. I get it. I, I agree. We need to go Darnold, number one. But if you are in a situation where quarterbacks in need, I still think Trey Lance deserves to be on all these rosters as well. Now, the other crop of guys, Dwayne. Now, someone's in a league. There's no Darnold. There's no Trey Lance. I think the big three streamers otherwise are Trevor Lawrence versus Titans. Cool stat from Andrew Erickson, who you guys can hear on this podcast multiple times a week, where Trevor Lawrence read option five times in week four, just three times in weeks one through three combined. He hasn't gotten over 225 passing yards or multiple scores through the air the last three weeks, but he is in a smash spot against the Titans. We also have Taylor Heineke versus Saints. Lokia has ripped off QB 13, QB 9, and QB 5 finishes. Honestly, I'm a little down on Heineke after rewatching that game. It was a little fluky. Like, okay, I don't think Jay McKissick is going to take a irresponsible throwback pass across the field, 40 yards to the house every week. And that second touchdown of Terry McLaurin was like just a complete prayer that Terry caught because he's a baller and he won Dwayne's, you know, hamsters PFF award of the week thing. That we uh, named <laughs> last night. Te- after Technically a guinea pig, but my, my daughter was like, guinea pig. I was like, oh yeah, it is a big difference. But anyway. After far too many Miller lights, that was the uh, rabbit hole we got down <laughs> during that podcast. And then there's also Daniel Jones against the Cowboys, PFF's second highest graded passer this year, QB 12, QB 4, QB 24, and QB 7 finishes this year. So, Dwayne, out of those guys, I think I would go Jones and then Heineke and then Lawrence just because I, I just don't really want to trust this Jaguars offense that much. Would you agree with that uh, ranking? I'm Jones, Lawrence, then Heineke, but I mean, it's close. I, I just, the, the design rushing attempts are what we thought we would have with Trevor Lawrence when the season started. And so to see that data point show up, um, you know, and it's coming through in the, in the um, read option game, that's what we want to see. Um, so if he can all of a sudden be getting 30 to 40 yards rushing every week, that's basically what you're getting from Daniel Jones, which is why I rank him, you know, first, then Lawrence then Heineke when it comes down to guys that are all pretty similar as far as you know where I think they're going to be from a passing standpoint I'm just taking the I'm just taking the one that I think gives me the higher rushing floor to recap everyone number one Sam Darnold go get him number two Trey Lance number three Daniel Jones and four or five we can kind of call it a draw between Heineke and Lawrence any fab notes on these guys Dwayne I know usually with quarterback you don't really have to blow the bank on it I would I guess caution because of all these guys and as you pointed out because we have guys like Derek Carr and others just putting up big time passing numbers doesn't really seem wise to blow a huge percentage of your fab on really any of these quarterbacks because there's a lot of streamers available right now yeah. Yeah. I think the top two are definitely the ones, you know, that if, if you're just in a situation where, you know, you're really struggling at quarterback, um, Darnold or Lance, you know, are the two that are worth, you know, a decent size. And when I say decent on a quarterback, I'm talking like 10 to 20%. That would be a big, that would be a big bid on a quarterback. Um, so, but for the other guys, yeah, they're absolute minimum bids. They're one, two, 3%, whatever you think you need, you know, and honestly, Ian, like they're so close, you might go, Three percent on Jones, you know, two percent on Lawrence, one percent on Heineke, depending on the order you have them in. You know, you're just wanting to get one of them, and I think you'll be fine. But I do believe that Darnold and Lance carry um, rest of the season upside, and, and Jones carries some of that too. Like we got to give him some credit. Um, so, I, but I like those top two the best. Yeah, no, but 10 to 20%, like, I'm good with that. I just wanted to make sure nobody out there is trying to send 50% to secure your quarterback position. Spend 3% on Daniel Jones instead if it comes to that. Moving right along to running back. As we said last night, I've already seen multiple articles with 
Damian Williams as the waiver wire header, as he should be, because per Adam Schefter, while the Bears don't believe Dave Montgomery tore his ACL, they are doing further testing to determine the extent. And yeah, it's seeming like a, it's looking like a minimal, you know, multi-week injury. We don't know for sure. Maybe Montgomery is going to recover like a freak. You know, he is nicknamed Frankenstein. After all, we all remember that ESPN graphic from back in the day. (laughs) But uh, it's funny, man. You look back in that graphic now, it's not as absurd. They were like, athleticism of Sony Michelle. Okay. I could see it, you know. Anyway, uh, it is looking like Damian Williams, at least for this upcoming matchup against the Raiders, should be the lead back. Tariq Cohen is out out for at least the first six games on the pup list as he returns from the ACL. I was really trying to dig today for some sort of update on it, and all I got was like two people's that happened to see him at the game judgment. One person said he could barely extend his knee, doesn't expect him to play all year. The other guy said that he went running to the locker room and looked perfectly healthy. So really have no idea how Cohen is doing right now. But I just wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't go into this thinking like he's for sure going to be back in week seven because this is a situation where, you know, he was hobbling in training camp. And when you're already injured like this, I'm just not, you know, it's, don't assume someone's going to be back in six weeks just because it's a six week timeline, just like on the IR. Yeah, it can be three weeks. It can also be 16. So just keep that in mind. But Damian Williams, man, everything's lining up for him. Khalil Herbert was in there a little bit at the end, you know, Montgomery got hurt in the fourth quarter of this one, but with everything Damian brings to the table, I'd be very surprised if we see him with a snap rate less than 70% or so in this spot what are your kind of fab thoughts on Damian uh, Dwayne? Because I think it's a little bit more like a Chuba situation than Elijah Mitchell in that we're not necessarily buying him for the rest of the season. We're buying him for a couple of weeks, but Hey man, this is, you know, we talked, we called David Montgomery one of the best running backs you could trade for because of the role he had. And it's sure looking like, you know, Williams is going to walk in that same role. Yeah. And so here's the huge thing though, that happens psychologically, right? Um, the David Montgomery um, fantasy manager has even to, even though we've talked about Montgomery's utilization being great, like there until this past week, David Montgomery wasn't doing a lot for them. So it's not like CMC where when the starter goes down, that owner or sorry that that manager panics and they're like, oh my god, like I got to drop half my fab on Chuba Hubbard. I just lost CMC. It's not the same reaction with David Montgomery. So the David Montgomery you know, manager is the primary person that you're going to be dealing with. You know, you have to assume that they're going to be the person putting them. Now you can go look at their roster. Maybe they're loaded with five other backs and they won't even bid on them. Um, But you, I typically assume that the person that lost the asset is most likely to be the one bidding the most. And so I always go look at their team and see what it looks like. I look at all the teams, you know, real quickly, if I can, I manage too many leagues. So sometimes I don't always get to take that step, but um, I think this one, Ian, is probably like a five to 15 percenter, depending on your roster. But I think it's a chance that, you know, you get to use Damian Williams for two to three weeks. And this this year, you know, it could be one of those seasons where you're just trying to figure out. We talked about this a little last week. Every, you know, maybe, maybe your RB2 is just a different player every two to three weeks. And so Damian Williams could certainly fill that role. Just a couple quick notes on him. He did handle 54 percent of the snaps in the last two drives. Um, Montgomery only played one snap in the ninth drive. Then he missed all the rest of the ninth drive and the 10th drive. They were ahead all that time, but in a big in a big lead. And so I do, I'm with you. I think it's primarily going to be Williams. You did see Herbert play uh, 67% um, of the four minute offense. So whenever they were basically just trying to grind it out and get the game over and all six of Herbert's snaps came in the four minute offense. So up until that point, it was really just Williams 
But if, if the Bears manage to get a lead, which I doubt they'll ever have another lead like that this season, <laughs> it was the Lions. Just kidding. They could have one. That's where you could really see Herbert probably have more of a role trying to ice the game away. And so that kind of takes a little bit of upside off of Williams. But given the way the Bears have played, I would expect them to trail or be in a close game situation more often than not. And in that case, I do think Williams will be the primary back. Now we're recording this. It's 5.20 p.m. Eastern time right now. Most annoying thing ever is when we record this and then three hours from now, yeah. you know, they release something about it. If we find out Montgomery is going on IR, how would that change your fab recommendation? Oh, it would change it. It would be enormous. Then I would be, you know, in the 60 to 70 percent range on Damian Williams, okay. uh, maybe higher, depending on your roster. Look, we're, we're week four. We're heading into week five. You don't get the fab all year. So if you're a team that's sitting there at one and three, you're sitting there at 0 and four or even two and two, but you think your points aren't even good enough to be two and two, you think you should be 0 and four. Don't sit around and wait, like go get it. And if you have a good team, don't sit on your morals either. Like you've seen what happens to these other backs. Even if Damian Williams is going on your bench, like I would put in a very good bid, a healthy bid to make sure any other team in the league, right. That really needs the back doesn't just get them for nothing. So I'm thinking 50% minimum if, if Montgomery goes, you know, to IR. And again, there's context with IR as well, right? Because yeah. do we hear season ending IR or do we hear just going to IR? I'm talking season ending. Okay. So, you know, it could vary people. You're going to have to, you know, we're trying to teach you how to fish and you're going to have to, you know, cast the line out there yourself with this. But definitely, you know, between five and 50%. I know that's not the easiest threshold, but it just depends on the next update we get from Dave Montgomery. Just realize, like, if assuming he's out this week in this Raiders matchup, Williams is going to be in our top 20 fantasy running backs without much of a problem. Top 12. Probably not. That's the type of guy you're bidding for. Again, a little bit more Chuba as opposed to potent, as opposed to potentially Cal Shanahan's lead running back for the rest of the season. Gotta hate shoulder injuries. Anyway, on to another handcuff that's being thrust into a starting role. Samaje P. Ryan on a date against the Packers. Ever awful run defense. So already got Zach Taylor, who what's he say about every injury, Dwayne? They're day-to-day. But Adam Schefter, who is much more reliable, has already reported that Joe Mixon is diagnosed with a low-grade ankle sprain that leaves him week to week. Sounds like there's going to be no IR stint. I understand last year went terribly with this, and Mixon didn't go on the IR. He just didn't play the rest of the year. I think that was a situation where the Bengals didn't have much to play for at that point. Why bring back Mixon with Burrow already hurt and this team basically trying to get the worst draft pick possible? I would imagine this year when Mixon is close enough to 100%, they will get him going. So, with Piran, though, man, this is where it's interesting. For me, I definitely want Damian Williams well ahead of Samaje Piran because I'm just not positive that he is going to get a ton of this pass game work. He didn't have a game with more than 50% snaps last year. They leaned on Giovanni Bernard far more without mixing. But it is up in the air a little bit, Dwayne, because Chris Evans, and I, I found this very uh, interesting as I was really examining his snaps. He's had nine routes this season. Seven of them have come lined up in the slot or out wide. So when they've actually put him out there, it hasn't even been as a true RB that often. He doesn't have a single pass block snap. Samaje Pirine this year only has seven of them, but it does make sense for Pirine to be the lead back. I guess the question is, million-dollar question is, what's that split going to look like? I don't necessarily see Pirine getting that lead every down, three-down roll uh, rate that Joe Mixon had because I don't think he has the same skill set but we also just have an unknown factor with Evans. So gun to my head, I'm kind of thinking 60-40 in favor of Piran, but it's up in the air. What's your read on the situation? Yeah, I think it's 60-40, maybe 70-30 early on. 
Um, but you know, with Evans having an opportunity to carve out more work, I mean, we've talked about it before. Once you're as a young player, uh, at playing at the running back position, like the sooner your coaching staff trusts you on the passing down work, like the more quickly, like you could truly expand to every down status, gaining those passing downs is really the hardest, um, you know, hurdle to overcome because they don't want the quarterback to get killed, right? The quarterback's the most important asset on the team. And so running backs, um, while you could be the best from a skill set, you just have to be able to, to meet certain minimum requirements. So it's good news that they're already using Evans in that way, even though to your point, like he's really mostly running routes, but they do like him um, in that spot from a specialty perspective. So yeah, I think 60, 40, 70, 30 is about right. As far as a workload split um, this first week, if Mixon were to miss multiple weeks, I think we could see Evans eat into that a little more. Pirine versus Dame. We're going Dame. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just the nature of the injury overall. Now, we don't have all the information, but the injury overall, based on what we know so far, seems a little more serious, right, for Montgomery, even even though neither one is believed to be season-ending right now. So there's really two factors. Uh, What you just talked about with the perceived workload that we talked through, probably favoring Williams a little more, but then also the injury to Montgomery potentially being a little more serious than what we're thinking Mixon's is. So Pirine, probably 5 to 15% fab, depending on kind of where your roster's at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're just trying to use him for a week or two, that's, and again, like that's the way I think about it in terms of how many weeks as a starter do I think I get out of the player? And then I look at my roster, but that's kind of my starting point. So if I know, you know, we've already played four games, you've got probably eight to nine games, depending on your league left in your regular season. So, I mean, we're already, you know, 33% the way through that. (laughs) So really you've only got 66%, you know, of the season left. And so the way I look at that is, okay, well, how many weeks of that, you know, six, how many weeks of that eight remaining weeks do I get from Pirine? Well, if I get two, right, then that's good. That means that I get 20%. So that's, that means 20% is probably my max, right? But that's kind of where I started. And so depending again on your roster, what you think you need, for example, if you're the CMC owner and you didn't get Hubbard, you're like, man, I maybe have two more weeks with CMC. Like one of these two guys is a perfect fit for you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great fit. You get to plug them in and hopefully you get CMC back. And you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the year. Quick one. I think we can cross off here. Brandon Bolden. He had six targets in a rush attempt and just 19 snaps last night. Damon Harris actually set a career high in routes, played 61% snaps. We also had JJ Taylor there at 7%. Like Dwayne, I remember seeing this a little bit early in, in like the opening, you know, six or seven weeks of 2019 where Bolden was carving out a small role and then he just disappeared in the second half of the year because this guy is going to be 32 in January. He's been a core special teamer forever. And yeah, he can play running back in a pinch, but I think, you know, we would have seen at some point in his like 10 seasons with the Patriots, him get a legitimate role in the backfield before now, if, if it was ever going to happen, you're with me, right? It's a Fugazi. We're not wasting anything on Bolton. Yeah. I mean, you just keep it low right now. It does look like he's the most likely one to replace James White. The game last night stayed really close. That's what kept Harris on the field. If, if they get into a game where they're getting blown out, someone else is going to take on more, you know, of the work. Could it be Harris? I mean, maybe, but that's not, that's not what we've seen so far from the way the Patriots want to handle Harris. It's also not what we've seen from the Patriots in like 12 years, you know, as far as using their lead back on passing down. So, I mean, we're going back to like the Kevin Falk days. Like some of you guys are like, who is Kevin Falk? I only know who Marshall Falk is. Yeah. Well, there was a Kevin Falk from out of LSU um, way back in the day, but um, yeah, I'm with you. Bolden is, he's a very, he's a men bid type player. You know, if you want to throw one to 3% out there just because you're absolutely, you know, desperate backup bid, 
He's the backup bid to these there other players. And if, if you just totally, you know, miss on all of them, it at least gives you somebody that, okay, you're not really going to like it, but if you had to, you can stick him into the RB2 for a week and pray for five points. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. They got the great matchup against Houston uh, this upcoming week, but yeah, I kind of think it's going to be J.J. Taylor's role eventually, and you would like to think at some point this year, you know, he's clawing around right now. He's trying to get that chain off, but at some point, Ramondre Stevenson might get out of that doghouse. We will see. You, you hit something really important on the head a minute ago, Ian. Um, you talked about, you know, with Williams, you're like, look, people, he's going to be ranked in our top 20 running backs, most yeah. likely, you know. So the way I look at that as a fantasy manager, think, how would I feel about starting this player next week? Yeah. <laughs> like That's your starting point when you're talking about these players that we know are not going to be the long-term answer, right? And so if, if your answer is you do that with Damian Williams, you're like, I'll absolutely start him for two or three weeks as long as Montgomery's out and I will love it. I think I get an RB2. That, that's, your, that's your life hack and thinking about how you should approach the bid. Right. And then you just look at the rest of your league. So same thing with Brandon Bolden. You're like, God, I'd feel terrible if I had to put him in my lineup. Okay. Well then make sure you got your percentage on him lower. Right. He should just absolutely just be a backup option from a fab allocation standpoint, one to 2% because you don't really want him in your lineup. If you had to, you would, but you don't feel good about it. So just that's one easy way to think about it as you're working through these things. Great point. And I would feel a lot better starting Damian than Piran. And that's why we have him ranked ahead. So Kenneth Gainwell has got the Panthers. Now through four weeks, Miles Sanders is at 37 carries and 14 targets. Kenny Gainwell, 19 carries and 18 targets. The Eagles don't care that he wears number 14. They've looked past that massive character flaw and are featuring the rookie. With that said, on a week-by-week basis, the touch count 11, 8, 4, and most recently 9. You know, I think there's a little higher floor than someone like Naeem Hines and J.D. McKissick because Gamewell isn't like pigeonholed as a scat back, as you brought up on our you know game review pod. He does get all the two-minute work, but they're willing to give him like legit carries inside the 10-yard line and things like that too that I guess McKissick does get those because he's an asshole. He's, he's a great player, people, but I'm just still upset about finding out that J.D. McKissick has more goal line carries than Antonio Gibson this year. But particularly for someone like Naeem Hines, your true scat back, I do think Gamewell gives you a little higher floor there. But Dwayne, I mean, I wouldn't feel great about starting Gamewell, but it does depend on the roster. If you're a zero, if you're an anchor RB guy and Christian McCaffrey's out or, you know, you have Joe Mixon and he's out, then okay, I can get behind someone getting eight to 10 touches per week. Thoughts on Gamewell and how much fab we should be giving up? Yeah, I like Gamewell um, a little, he's a little different, right? Because Miles Sanders hasn't played that well the new coaching staff just doesn't seem to be that nuts about Miles Sanders. Gainwell is their draft pick, you know? So I feel like Kenneth Gainwell has this kind of sneaky door to earning more of a role as the season goes. And if Miles Sanders were to go down, unlike these other players we talked about, I feel like if Sanders went down for two or three weeks, Ian, we could actually see Gainwell just turn it into a split period or take over the role. You know, I don't think you're going to get that with Damian Williams. I don't think you're going to get that. I know you're not going to get that with Samaji Piran. They're going to go back to Mixon. They've paid the man. So I, I like this situation from a long view perspective. Um, and so if you can sneak in there and get him, you know, for say 5%, 10%, you know, of your fab, and you can use him here or there as a flex play, you know, look, folks, really what he is, he's Tony Pollard. He's borderline. He's bored from a utilization standpoint. Everybody's going to hate this but he's borderline Cordero Patterson. Like he's barely below the marks Cordero Patterson is at um, from a utilization. Now look, 
Cordell Patterson shouldn't be their RB2 overall. His utilization is way too low. So don't take what I'm saying wrong. But the point being, you know, he he does have the ability to sneak in. You saw it last week. I mean, he's RB6. He has the ability to pop up into the top, you know, 12 RBs, give you a top 24 performance. A lot of times it's going to be an RB4 performance. Um, so, I mean, he's right there in that range. So actually, like, if I were just talking about just pure rest of the season, again, assuming these other two backs are healthy, and I don't really need a back for the next two weeks. I'm letting everybody else blow their fab. I'm putting in enforcement bids on the other two players. And Kenneth Gainwell is really my true target. He's their guy. They drafted him. I know he was a lower round pick, but a lot of people were surprised he kind of fell that far to begin with. And I guess the big issue in the preseason, the reason why it wasn't fading game one, I think I got a couple darts on him at the end of uh, some best ball drafts. But the reason we weren't overly hyped was because they had Karen Johnson and Jordan Howard and Austin, Austin Scott. Scott. And a lot of guys that make no difference now. Boston Scott is a special teams only player. You bring up his player page and you realize he doesn't have a single carry this year. Only has two targets and a week three blowout loss to the Cowboys and complete mop up duties. So Kenneth Gamewell, if we were to go down and maybe we should do this, but if we ranked all the handcuffs in the league one after another, he would be a hell of a lot higher. I think than a lot of people envisioned going into the year. Last note, Latavius Murray, who's got the Colts this week. You know, Dwayne, Damien's number one, but I think between Murray and Piron, it's awfully close. And I honestly lean Latavius because we might just have the Ravens starting running back here. I'm not for sure that it's going to stick because when have we been sure about this Ravens backfield all year? Sure looked like Tyson Williams was the best running back until he wasn't. Last week, you know, yeah, we got Latavius with 62% snaps. Le'Veon Bell just 27%. Devontae Freeman only 8%. That was Le'Veon's first game, and Latavius didn't exactly kill it. He was fine, but I do wonder if they got Le'Veon loose. Maybe this becomes even more of a nightmare moving forward. They got a good matchups coming up, though. Colts, Chargers, Bengals, and Vikings, you know, coming up. What are your thoughts on Latavius Murray? Yeah, I'm with you. I, um, I like Murray. Like, if I had to rank these all just rest of season, I think it's Murray, then Gainwell, then Damian Williams, then Samaji P. Ryan. But, I mean, we're obviously taking into account getting to start those other two players, you know, for a couple of weeks. But, yeah, with Murray, look, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a little leery. <laughs> you get gun shy with backfields like this. But at the same time, like, when you're dealing with fantasy football, and, again, like we're talking about 12- and 13-week seasons and we're already four weeks through, like you can't, you can't wait around for everything to be this perfect trend. Sometimes you just have to get ballsy. And you just have to say, you know what? This is a team that likes to run the ball plenty. I'm going to put my stake down. I know it's not going to be a 25 carry per game type of thing, but if I can get 15 touches out of Latavius Murray per week in a good offense, maybe I get a touchdown every other week, I'm going to take it. I think that's the way you have to approach it. And so when you look at him, um, it's it's not just a one-week thing. It's it's a trend, right? His, his rushing attempts have gone from 21% to 41% to 62% over the last three weeks. His routes have gone from 18% to 24% to 37%. Um, he's not getting any targets. Targets, 0% targets, 0% targets per route run. He does not, he doesn't see anything in the passing game, but short down and distance, which is what you care about quite a bit with the Ravens because they don't throw the ball to the backs anyway. So the more important role is short down and distance. He owns um, 71%, which and that went to 100% in week three and 100% in week four. Remember, short down and distance is um, second, third, or fourth down and one to two yards to go. Most often that also translates into attempts inside the five-yard line, um, which is where you score your touchdowns from. Long down and distance, not really that involved. That's where Le'Veon Bell took over last weekend. 62% of the long down and distance snaps went to Lev Bell. 75% of the two-minute offense snaps went to Lev Bell. Um, but Bell only had 28% of the snaps overall from a rushing 
uh, percentage, only 14% of the carries, only a route 20% of the time. So it really feels like it's Murray kind of in more of the Gus Edwards role. And then it's Le'Veon Bell just basically taking up the passing snaps that were left behind by Dobbins because Dobbins was really the back, you know, that would get that work last year. And then Freeman's just kind of mixing in. And we'll have to see, you know, what happens with uh, Tyson Williams. Um, but for now, you know, inactive. So there's nothing we can do with him. He's probably just a drop. So Latavius, 15, 20% fab? That sound about right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, again, it does depend on your roster, but I mean, you know, we're, we're getting kind of far in and, and you can't just always wait for the perfect setup. So he's the one out of everybody we've talked about that's going to, in my opinion, like if you had to say, look, I've got to pick one of these guys that I think can give me value the rest of the year. I think he's the one, if you had, if you had to pick from this group, you tell me he's the one I would pick. The squad's looking great people. Latavius and Gamewell, those are the guys you're going to want for the longer term. Of course, if you need to win this week, need to win next week, that's where we're going. Damian Williams and Samaje Piran, a little bit more. Good breakdown from you, Dwayne. Good job by you. Now we got some wide receivers to go through. Kadarius Tony is at the Cowboys. He looked good, man. I think uh, he's yeah, he been kind of written off pretty fast because people haven't maybe liked his attitude, didn't like the draft pick, didn't like this or that. You get the ball in this guy's hands and he is making things happen like multiple leaving multiple defenders off their feet in the course of any given play. With that said, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, not on IR expecting to be back at some point. We do have a fairly, you know, cozy stretch coming up or I actually, I would not say cozy stretch Cowboys, Rams, Panthers at the chiefs and then the Raiders before their week 10 by. So my thought on Tony Dwayne, I don't think we're getting someone that's ever going to be cracking the wide receiver three ranks or anything like that. But that's a perspective bench ad. The guy's got the first round capital. He looks good on film. Daniel Jones. Hey man, he might be able to enable more than one fantasy relevant option. Maybe even two or three, if he keeps playing this well, general thoughts on Kadarius Tony. Yeah. I think it's just more about what's going to happen once we get Shepard back, you know, what's going to happen when you get Darius Slayton back. Um, obviously like the role he was really playing yesterday, he was really taking the looks that Shepard would get, would get. Um, and so I think Shepard obviously is going to be a starter when he comes back. So for Tony, he, he's really more of a stash. Um, you might get to use him for a couple of weeks while Shepard is out. Um, but it's like you said, we're probably not going to have him inside. I know I'm not going to have him inside the top 36 wide receivers this week. No. You know, he might sneak into the back end of wide receiver four, uh, top end wide receiver five territory, you know, in our, in our ranks over at PFF. But I, I just don't, I don't see a way that I'm really going to utilize Kadarius Tony unless Sterling Shepard were to come back and like get himself re-injured and be out for the season. If that, and if that were the case, then yes, right. I would care. I would feel differently about it because there'd be a chance for him to continue to grow his role, build more rapport on the field with Daniel Jones, all those sort of things. Similar thoughts with Jamison Crowder, who has the Falcons this week. Hey, maybe he does crack kind of our top 48, top 45 receivers in this spot, but we do have Elijah Moore who is set to clear the concussion protocol this week coming back. We're looking at Corey Davis on one outside spot, Elijah on the other Crowder is the primary slot. We're going to get some annoying Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios usage in between. I love the way Zach Wilson looked. I mean, after going back to that game, this dude made at least four absurd throws. Hey, he might be able to start giving us close to 300 yards in these garbage time games that the jets are destined to play in more weeks than not. 
I just don't think Crowder is the guy for Wilson, man. Okay, he had a good game last week, but we're talking about a guy with a six-yard average target depth. Then we got Zach Wilson, who seems like he's going to be, you know, that old Michael Vick, like Powerade commercial or Gatorade where he throws the ball out of the stadium. Like, that's Zach Wilson pretty much every single game. Like, he wants to chuck that thing down the field, and I love it. I'm just not sure Crowder is that guy, pal. So, Crowder, number three option on the Jets. Do we really want to go fishing here, Dwayne? Yeah, you know, Crowder's a tricky one just because he's always been good, you know. So when you have players that have always found a way, and every time Crowder's on the field, like this is what we get into, right? He gets injured, but we had this last year. We had stretches of weeks where all you know, Crowder was a usable fantasy asset. And, and here's the thing. They don't really have tight ends they can throw to. They do not throw the ball a lot to the backs. So it's okay to have a receiver that's doing this thing Crowder's doing in the offense while everybody else is working downfield. It would be different if they, like, you know, to sprinkle 20% of the targets to the backs, 15% of the targets to the tight end. Then it's kind of like, well, where does that leave Jamison Crowder? But really, like he's he's potentially going to fulfill all of that role. I mean, he was targeted on 27% of, uh, you know, the passes yesterday, 32% targets per route run, finishes as the 14th overall PPR player. And everybody's going nuts over LaVisca Chenault. Um, yet here's Jamison Crowder finishing six spots ahead of him you know, um, in the rankings where Crowder, where Chenault was 20th and Crowder was wide receiver 14. So I actually, you know, look, I get it. It's the Jets offense, but they did have a very rough start. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, Ian, if this is Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, the rest of the way, and then Elijah Moore just getting sprinkled in. You know, we're, we're going to have to see, It's it, to your point, it could be every week who's going to be left out. It is probably going to be matchup dependent. Um, but at the end of the day, I'd, I just know Crowder's a good player. And like every time I count him out, I'm like, damn it, Jamison Crowder, like quit doing this to me. So I've just kind of learned with Crowder uh, that when he's playing, like he does something quarterbacks like they're they're they they're very drawn to him. I think it's just called he gets open. Yeah, I just don't want to spend much on a guy who is going to be behind at least Davis. And OK, maybe we can use him this week as a spot start. But I feel like, Dwayne, we could just pick him up probably before week set like week eight, if we want them, because they got to buy in week six, then they go to new England in week seven. And I, I know you're in the thick of utilization. So you haven't given dove through all this, which is why I'm trying to enlighten you, my friend. But I just think compared to some of these other guys, you know, like we, again, we haven't touched on Darnell Mooney, LaVisca Chanel, even AJ green, like Crowder, he's fine, but he's not someone people need to be going after like actively. Yeah. I mean, I would go after him. I'm just not, you don't have to, you're not, here's the beauty. You don't have to bid a lot because everybody, everybody thinks he sucks. He, he doesn't, but everybody thinks that. So he's a guy that you don't really have to put a lot on from a fab perspective. So yeah, I'm not saying go put 50% on James Crowder, but I mean, if you need a receiver and you can get him for two to 5% of your fab, which is probably all it's going to take to get him. I mean, I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. I mean, Braxton Barrios had 11 targets in week two and we didn't give a shit because it was Braxton Barrios. Like they made Crowder take a freaking pay cut this offseason, man. Are we sure this isn't just like a one week thing against the freaking Falcons where we're like, he looks good. Yeah. I'm look, I'm not going to say it's not a one week thing, but just knowing Crowder's track record, most likely it's not until he's hurt again. Like, and I'm not saying he's going to be a top 14, but I just think there's, he's going to give you wide receiver three, Low-end wide receiver three, you can plug him in during your bye weeks, that kind of stuff. I think Crowder will give you that. Do not – don't go blow your fab. You're making all a lot of really good points. But, again, like just go back and look at him historically. Like when he plays, like Crowder's a good player. So I think at some point we just have to give him credit for that. Do we have to give A.J. Green credit at this point? 
He has exactly six targets in every game this year. He is playing a full-time role. He got it done against the Vikings. I said, screw that. It was Bashad Breeland. He got it done against the Jaguars. I said, especially screw that. It's the Jaguars. <laughs> then he got it done against the Rams. So now we got to start thinking, hey, at a minimum, Kyler Murray is good enough to enable A.J. Green to some solid production. I don't know, Dwayne. He has outperformed expectations this year. He's clearly not quite as washed as many of us were talking about. With that said, right now for the Cardinals, A.J. Green, 24 targets. DeAndre Hopkins, 23. Chase Edmonds, 22. Rondale Moore, 18. Christian Kirk, 18. Max Williams, 16. Nobody else has more than three. So we basically have six guys where Kyler is fairly evenly spreading the ball out every week. And Kyler's a damn world beater, so it's working out right now. But as we saw last week when Christian Kirk had one catch, when the last two weeks when Rondale Moore wasn't doing anything, it can go up and down. So for Green, I think he's now a usable guy, someone you can put in your flex and not feel like a complete piece of shit for doing so. He's also not someone where I'm going to be super point chasey and go after thinking that he's going to all of a sudden like actually be this passing game's number one target leader the rest of the way. Are we more on the same page with this one, Dwayne? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, he's a low end wide receiver three. I really would call him a wide receiver four, which is really what I would call Crowder, but they're going to give you wide receiver three weeks. Um, so I look at them both very similarly. Wouldn't put, I don't see a ton of upside here. Um, we've already had two games where basically DeAndre Hopkins, we know now was playing with injured ribs and they weren't going to him, you know, and now he's getting healthier and healthier. I think that's only going to cut more into these other guys, you know, opportunities at some point um, because we know DeAndre Hopkins can still ball out, but yeah, AJ green, think of him as a wide receiver four. you can plug him, plug him in as a wide receiver three when you need him, but you're not going to be super excited about using him. This is really more of a deeper league type play. Very fair all the way around. How about Darnell Mooney facing the Raiders next week? Now we have <sighs> through my hat. We have Matt Nagy still saying that Andy Dalton is this freaking team starter, despite what Justin Fields just went through and just did against, I get it, a terrible defense. But my goodness, how can you continue to do this charade, Matt Nagy? I'm furious about this. With all that said, Darno Mooney, 26 targets this year. Allen Robinson, 24. I understand that's probably going to change at some point. But, hey, in this version of the offense, clearly Mooney is more of a 1B. Two A-Robs, we're assuming 1A at some point. We also have, ideally, Justin Fields under center for the, at some point the rest of the year. Like, I, I just, again, this whole situation makes me so pissed off. But surprised me today to see the bears have the highest rate of catchable deep balls. Thanks to Justin Fields. The problem is it's just on nine total attempts. So I guess Dwayne, like with Mooney, if we knew fields was going to be under center moving forward, I'd feel a lot better about it. But for some reason we don't have that assurance and we got to wonder what life could be like if Andy Dalton is back at quarterback for a week or more. Like we don't know. What are your thoughts on Mooney, who, by the way, you know, we talked about this on the injury pod, different injury each of the past three weeks. Dude keeps playing through it. He's an absolute warrior. He's a great player. But do we trust like really anyone involved enough in this Bears passing game right now? Yeah, I think Mooney deserves to be on a roster in most formats, you know, so uh, because at any point, like if the Bears offense can turn a corner, 
and get better, which we can't tell you that that's going to happen. Like there's just no way, like it looks really bad. Um, but if they can turn a corner, he is going to have value. I mean, he has 27% of the targets on the team for the season. Allen Robinson's at 24%. Like he's leading the team right now on targets. And it's not, it's not because of one blow up game. It's every week. It's 30, 36% targets, 22% targets, 38% targets. I mean, he's at 27 on the year. His targets uh, per route run are really strong. His A dot is better. You know, he gets more of the air yards. Um, he's trusted a fifth of the time on third and fourth down. 28% of his targets come on play action. There's a lot of good things going on for Donnell Mooney outside of the overall atmosphere that he plays in, which is known as the Bears offense. So of all the players we've talked about um, so far, um, and no, that wasn't an apple. That was my chair. Um, as far as all of the players that we've talked about so far for the receivers, Mooney um, would be at the top for me, um, just because of, I, I do believe he carries the most upside of all the players we've discussed. Um, just needs the offense to just be, the offense just needs to be average too. It doesn't have to be great. It can be below average and Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney could be just fine. Um, but right now the offense is stuck in not neutral. It's in reverse, right? It's terrible. Definitely agree. Out of the guys we have talked about, Mooney deserves to be going well ahead of them. A great guy to have on the squad. How are we feeling about LaVisca Chenault, who figures to now be the cemented number two at worst with DJ Chark on IR with that ankle? But we do have Tavon Austin playing as many snaps as Mooney last, excuse me, as LaVisca last Thursday night. And we have an offense that just, let's face it, you know, aside from a really good throw here and there from Trevor Lawrence and James Robinson doing his thing has looked fairly awful. So Dwayne LaVisca is like probably the highest owned guy out of everyone we've talked about. I think he's around 58, 59%, but I did see him in a bunch of waiver uh, articles around the industry, people really trying to hype him up. So if you're in a league and you got Visca sitting there on the waiver wire, how actively are you pursuing him? Yeah, he should be the top out of all the players now that we've talked about. It would okay. be, I would have him number one, then I would have Darnell Mooney number two. I would have Crowder, um, AJ Green right there together, number three. And then I would have Tony more as just a stash play because I feel like he gets pushed aside once the other players come back. So that would be the order I would use. So remember, there's two components to the target equation. Um, actually, there's probably like a million components, but the only <laughs> two to keep it simple. Um, routes, which did not change for LaVisca Chenault last week. Once DJ Chark went down, like you said, Tavon Austin came on and played that role outside. So don't expect LaVisca Chenault to play more outside, to play more vertical, all that kind of stuff. Probably not going to happen. He may operate a little bit more downfield, but he's still going to do it from the slot. That's where they like him. Um, but his routes last week were only 76% of the pass plays. The week before was 79%. The week before that was 83%. So, I mean, these things are weird sometimes, right? It, you have the week where Chark is hurt immediately, and he has the lowest you know route rate he's had in three weeks. These things happen. But the other component to targets outside of the routes and being on the fields is targets per route run. And that's where he exploded where he had been at 21% and then 12%. Last week, it was very clear that this narrowed down and, there, and the opposing defense was really, you know, working on Marvin Jones. They didn't want to let him go to Marvin Jones. My guess is teams will still want to do that because Marvin Jones is, is the player that can, in one play, you know, finish a drive, score a touchdown. You know, Chenault's the player that's going to take seven or eight you know, of those plays to get down the field. Now he could break, you know, some tackles and score, you know, on a, on a run after the catch type situation. Um, but 32% targets per route run last week. 
And so that helped lead to his 33% target share um, for the game, um, which is a, a really strong number. He accounted for 57% of the air yards. His dot actually was the highest it's been of the season at a 13.4. So despite not really playing outside, you did see him work downfield a little bit more. So yeah, I'm excited about, you know, Chenault. And I would definitely put him at the top of this list. I think, you know, depending on this, again, the size of your league and all that kind of stuff that we have to say every single time, I would put, you know, Chenault in that 15 to 25% range. Um, because I do, I, I just, when I look at it, it's also a common sense thing. I look at it again and I'm like, okay, what do the Jaguars have? They have Marvin Jones and really LaVisca Chenault. That's it. Like, and, and, and James Robinson. Those are the three primary players that, pretty much everything's going to need to channel through some of these other guys will get a little bit here and there, but like I would bet on those three players being the primary before the issue to start the season, we just have way too many mouths to feed in a bad offense. Um, and now that's narrowing down further and further and further. So I think LaVisca Chenault, you know, for me, rest of the season, you know, he's looking like a low end wide receiver three at this point. Um, which is what people really hoped he was, you know, to begin the season. But I think this injury um, to Chark opens that door. And he might not be that, you know, Jalen Waddle, low dot type guy anymore without Chark there. Cause Chark really was the guy who we were gushing over the air yards and everything. And it was just one play. And I was just pulled up the, you know, do my, got, got my phone grinder hat back on after I chucked it off talking about the bears quarterback stuff. And I'm looking at the 52 yard catch he had last week and he had to adjust to it in the air because of uh, the way Lawrence threw it. But like that was a designed play for Visca to be the deep guy downfield. So we always talk about this where wide receiver, not running back wide receiver is more where we can make a play on a guy's talent a little bit more than the opportunity. If, if things are falling that way, I do think LaVisca number one last year among wide receivers and broken tackles per touch is a talented enough player to make more out of these opportunities. So I'm happy you put him ahead of Mooney uh, after getting through it all. Cause that's how I had it, Dwayne. So going through these wide receivers, LaVisca Chenault, number one waiver wire ad Darno Mooney, number two, I'll give you Jamison Crowder, number three, AJ Green, number four, and Kadarius Tony as the number five bench stash. And just just fab real quick on those be 15 to 25 on, on Visca. You know, if you're in a, in a really large format and for some reason he was dropped, which he probably wasn't, you obviously know to go bigger. You're looking at Mooney, you're talking five to 10 percenter, you're talking about, you know, uh, AJ Green, you're talking about Jamison Crowder, like max five percent. Like those are more men bid, you know, type players. Kadarius Tony is really a one percenter. Like he's just a one percenter. Now quickly on the tight ends. I call them prayers in my, uh, you know, show sheet for this, but <laughs> they're starting to look pretty good, man. Like if we saw these snap rates uh, back in June, we'd be all in on the late round strategy before, you know, it'd blow up on our, in our face like it does every year that we try to wait on tight end. But we got CJ Uzoma facing the Packers. Obviously had that two touchdown Thursday night performance against the Jaguars. We got Dawson Knox talked about him a lot on our Sunday night pod. Basically all of his competition, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Jacob Hollister, all on different teams. Knox has a 80% plus role in one of the league's higher pass volume offenses. We got Dalton Schultz, who is starting to pull away from Blake Jarwin on a great Cowboys offense. We got Tyler Conklin basically getting the number one tight end job that we always hoped one of Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph would get. Now it's Tyler Conklin season, and we finally got Evan Ingram at the Cowboys this week. 12 targets in his first two games back, even with Kyle Rudolph still seeing time. So, Dwayne, for me, I have these guys ranked Schultz number one, Dawson Knox number two, Conklin number three, but they're close. And then I have a little drop-off 
to CJ Uzoma and Evan Ingram. I just think with Uzoma, he got, you know, we had him in a similar role the first three weeks of the year, and he had, let me see, four total catches. Like, it just seems a little point chasey. I know he's out there a lot, but also T. Higgins isn't there, and this is still a pretty low-volume Bengals passing game. And with Ingram, I know maybe you're a little bit higher on him than me, but I just think there's a lot of bodies in and out of this Giants offense right now. So thoughts on this order, and how would you rank them? Yeah, so I would put um, Dawson, Knox, you know, well, I would put Schultz, then Knox, and Conklin right there together. Then, I mean, Ingram, and then would be Uzama. Okay. Um, you know, so, I mean. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's tight. It's it's tight. Like, I mean, I could I could easily flip, you know, some of those players around. But I would say that that group of um, Schultz, I mean, I put Schultz at the top, but I think Knox, Conklin, it's pretty tight. Ingram's almost right there with them. I think Uzoma's below them because once you have T Higgins back, I just, you know, at the end of that game, everybody on the Bengals offense was banged up. <laughs> so, I mean, and Hey, credit to Uzoma. He came through. I just don't see a situation where he's ever going to see that many targets again, yeah. unless there's a lot of players on the team hurt again. And we'll see what happens with T Higgins this week, you know, but if he's, if he's going to be out for another game that could change things for the week, but we're talking rest of the season outlook. Yeah. Again, people, Dalton Schultz, number one. Going Dawson Knox, number two. Tyler Conklin, number three. Evan Ingram, number four. And CJ Uzoma, number five. And I just hope you all know NFL Week 4 is in the books, which means PFF has data and grades for every single player who logged a snap last week. What can you get with the PFF sub? Well, all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, our player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop, and so much more. So please check out the highest graded players from Week 4 and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for Week 5 with a PFF sub. Also want to give a shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer for every football fan out there. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 time the NFL was in 1943, so seems like a pretty safe bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. Also want to note the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, trying to buy like six wiener dogs eventually like I am, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also, it's football season, baby. You know what that means? It means we're looking for two here with the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped, listening through hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF on manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF on manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Dwayne, utilization report is up Tuesday morning, afternoon, depending on how the grind goes. You're, you're busy, man. What else you got on tap for this week? 
Uh, we'll have the tiers and rankings. They'll come out on um, Friday. Then on Thursday, I'll do my um, smashes and fades. Then on Friday, it'll come out either late Friday or early Saturday. I'm using the utilization report to like go back and really look at um, potential prop bets. So last week, found you know a few tight ends that I really like the under on, a couple of running backs. So that's something that I'm working on as well. You can tell someone actually knows what they're talking about with prop bets if they're talking about betting the unders and not, you know, wasting our money on the overs. Because, hey, what's more fun to bet on? Absolutely the overs. Why does the public always lose money? Because betting overs is a little bit more fun. It's just like Twitter. If you say anything positive about a player, you're going to get like, you know, three, 500 likes. If you say anything mildly like to do with reality, like cut that, like only 20% of that. So it's, it's, but Hey, that's okay. I like the idea of wanting to look at it, you know, positively. Unfortunately, I'm just so much of a realist. Like it's tough. Some people would say I'm pessimistic. I just say I'm realistic. <laughs> I love it. As always find your way on Twitter at Dre McFarland because context fucking matters. People, you can catch right. my weekly QB article. You know, we've changed the name a little bit. Now it's like fantasy football projecting week five performers. You know, got to get that SEO looking right in there. But basically I go through every single quarterback, do a little superlative, most likely to do X in the following week. And yeah, I think if you check it out, you'll find at least one or two cool facts about each and every quarterback out there. And at least last week it was free, 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 free. So, hey, why not help a brother out? Can't hurt. For Joanne McFarlane, I'm Ian Hart. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.